This is Rotten Righteous News, and today... Can you repeat that? An artist threw a pickle from a McDonald's burger on a ceiling and is charging $6,325 for it. For the pickle or for the ceiling? Welcome back to Rotten or Righteous News Network, where we deliver nearly new news that nobody needs to know. I'm your anchor, Zach Geiler, along with my co-anchor, Scott Judge. And this week, we are sponsored by those inflatable donuts that people with hemorrhoids sit on. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Have you ever had to use one of those? Uh, no, I'm, I'm 32. Oh, they're, they're still not comfortable. I, I either badly, badly bruised my tailbone when Joel was like, I don't know, less than a year old. I fell down the steps with him. He was okay. I, I took the punishment and my butt hurt for six months and I couldn't get comfortable. I had donuts. Well, I would I, blow them up real hard, real soft. It just nothing worked. Well, Scott, you can't just sit on a box of Krispy Kremes and think that your butt pain's going to well, go away. And let's go ahead and dive into our first news story. This is from a publication called Inc. by Bill Murphy Jr. And it is titled, After 55 Years, McDonald's Just Made a Long-Awaited Announcement. I imagine they're announcing that they have heart disease. No. Like surely not. Ronald's like, I'm sorry, but I have a 90% blockage in all arteries, not just in my heart, just all <laughs> arteries everywhere. Just all arteries, every one of them, <laughs> beginning at my heart, clear to the tips of any artery in my body. See, I thought plugged. I thought that I slipped a disc in my neck. Nope, just turns out it's just nothing but but clogged artery. It's just. It's yeah. a miracle uh, that I survived. Matter of fact, the makeup that you guys thought, uh, I'm so pale, it was never makeup. It was literally my blood struggling to to get to my extremities. and uh, Crying. Crying. The year was uh. 1967. A McDonald's and a franchise owner named Michael Jim Delegati had an idea. Competing fast food restaurants served double burger sandwiches. Shouldn't McDonald's? So we came up with a recipe. Two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, and a sesame seed bun. If that sounds familiar, of course, it's because Delegati invented the icon, the Big Mac, which also oh led to an iconic McDonald's jingle. McDonald's corporate didn't love the idea at first, but Delegati tried it in his 48 McDonald's locations. Soon it took off, to the point that McDonald's shared it in restaurants around the world. For much of that time, and especially in the last few years, hardcore devotees of McDonald's have declared that there might be something missing from the Big Mac. A double-decker chicken version of the sandwich. Uh-huh. This week, fully 55 years after Delegati introduced the original Big Mac, McDonald's fans got the news they've been waiting for. Or at least a taste. McDonald's USA confirmed to me Friday 
that it's testing a chicken Big Mac for a limited time at select locations in the Miami area. Much like the original Big Mac, if things go well, you can imagine it quickly being shared at McDonald's restaurants across the country. Here's the official McDonald's USA statement. We're always looking to give our fans more ways to enjoy the classic menu items they know and love. Unless that menu item is ice cream, then our ice cream machine is broken. <laughs> well, hold up. <laughs> it did not say that, but that, that's an awesome insert. <laughs> it's it's true. I've never been at a McDonald's that oh, has know, a, it's true. a working ice cream machine. <laughs> And starting later this month at select Miami restaurants, we're testing a new twist on an old famous, or an old famous. We're doing real good here, Scott. And we're testing a new twist on an old favorite, the Chicken Big Mac. While not everything we test makes it on our U.S. menus, we once tested food, period, just food. Just food. Turns just out. check it out. And we just didn't like it, so, so we went back to I industrial garbage waste. I have already heard of people. I don't know that it would necessarily be the chicken Big Mac, but to get a chicken sandwich with all the Big Mac uh, extras on it with the uh, special sauce, lettuce, cheese. So with the chicken Big Mac, is it actually, and I may have missed, I may have not heard you, is it actually going to be two of those big pieces of chicken? I imagine they're going to be two McChickens, not not their new oh, buttermilk. They're yeah, not gonna... Okay, okay. That's different. Now, I was so, having a hard time imagining getting my, my mouth around the two buttermilk chicken I breasts. have seen you dislodge your jaw and swallow whole things <laughs> larger than two McDonald's chicken breasts. <laughs> now, for longtime McDonald's watchers, I, I think this article is the saddest thing we've ever read. So far, we've seen that there are longtime McDonald's devotees and longtime McDonald's watchers. There's people out there whose hobby has to do with McDonald's. Hmm. Huh. Or they're just eating it? I feel like McDonald's should be a last-ditch effort. Mm -hmm. It's 8 o'clock. Somehow, the day got away from you. And you need to feed your child. Go to the Golden Arches. I, I, I don't think... nuggets! I don't think that it should be... Oh, man, did you see... McDonald's has a new menu item. Better hurry up and hit the old, the whole McDonald's there. I, you know me, a longtime devotee. Notice they didn't say long-lived McDonald's devotees. Uh, <laughs> now for so a what's, long. What's your favorite menu? What's your favorite menu item? I like the double quarter pounder ketchup only. Double quarter pounder ketchup only. Yeah, I, I probably like the Big Mac. And I, and I like the new, favorite. I don't want to talk about McDonald's all day, but uh, I like the new <laughs> quarter pounders. I know that you had a problem with them when it happened. Uh, it was a real, I mean, it was a, it was an emotional roller coaster for Scott when they switched the recipe around for the, for the quarter pounder patties. But, uh, Oh, I hated it. They stunk. I mean, by they stunk, used to be they fake. Used to, back when I was about your age, had a burger called the big and tasty. And it was a bigger burger, a little lettuce on it, and mayonnaise, ketchup. It was delicious. They did away from it. Now, for long-time <laughs> McDonald's watchers, the surprise isn't that McDonald's is testing a chicken Big Mac. It's that it took so long to arrive. Back in 2018, I wrote about a leaked McDonald's document that showed McDonald's had a plan. 
Better Chicken Project about how the company hoped to become a credible chicken player. (laughs) Hey, and you may give me grief saying, well, I don't want to talk about McDonald's all day, but let me tell you something. With some of the things that we talk about on this show, this I can relate to. This I have input for. Hey, there's a war in Ukraine. (laughs) The Chicken Big Mac was already introduced for a limited time in the United Kingdom, where the company said it got rave reviews, and McDonald's either offers it now or did offer it in Australia. Also, while working on this story, I did a bit of a double take to find a Chicken Mac on the menu at McDonald's looking exactly like a regular Big Mac with chicken, only to realize that I'd stumbled onto the McDonald's webpage for its stores in the United Arab Emirates. In fairness, changing the menu at McDonald's even just... The 13,000-plus restaurants in the United States alone is a tricky affair. As an example, perhaps even more than people have clamored for a chicken version of the Big Mac, customers had asked McDonald's to start serving breakfast all day. McDonald's eventually gave in, only to find that it was a terrible deal for McDonald's and its franchisees, because regular customers simply started coming in later and buying cheaper breakfast items later in the day. This time, if the early reaction to McDonald's chicken Big Mac is any indication, looks likely to be a kit. Delegati, who invented the Big Mac, died six years ago at the age of 98. Gun to my head, if you told me how long did the inventor of the Big Mac live, I would never have guessed 98. (laughs) I bet you he didn't eat them every day. Reportedly, he ate at least one Big Mac per week for more than 50 years. Look, as I write write in my free ebook, What You Learn When You Work at McDonald's, It's hard to imagine a company that experiments more with its menu than McDonald's, and where tiny changes can have a massive effect on so many people. No innovation, however, would mean total stagnation, and that's even worse. Even if it takes more than half a century. So, yippee Kaye, McDonald's is getting a Big Mac, who cares? Woohoo! Now, I've lost 20 pounds since we moved away from McDonald's. Yeah, well... I know, good for you. As we move from one Big Mac story to another McDonald's story, this is from today. Not today. It's from August 1st, 2022 by Joseph Lamore, but it's from today. Like the show, today. Uh-huh. Yes, today. An artist, an artist threw the pickle from a McDonald's burger on a ceiling and is charging $6,325 for it. Can you repeat that? An artist threw a pickle from a McDonald's burger on a ceiling and is charging $6,325 for it. For the pickle or for the ceiling? I don't know. Is it art or is it trolling? The answer is up to the viewer in the case of one recently exhibited work of art. On July 7th, Australian artist Matthew Griffin debuted a work he titled Pickle, a single slice of pickle he had plucked from a McDonald's cheeseburger and subsequently chucked at the pristine white ceiling of a gallery place. And no, it allegedly never fell from that spot before you ask. Quite an arm, Picasso. Uh, Literally, I'm looking at this now. It is just a tiny ketchup-colored pickle stuck to the white ceiling of an art gallery. The work, which was recently shown at Michael Lett, a New Zealand gallery that hosted the former cucumber at its show called 
hosting Fine Arts Sydney. Griffin is an artist known for starting conversations on the perceived pretentiousness of the art world, using comedy as a starting point to discuss serious issues like health and dental care for freelance artists in Australia, for example. According to the gallery, this most recent work is intentionally designed to question what art has value and what doesn't. If you were hoping to see the work, or maybe even shell out 10000 Australian dollars, which comes to about $6,329 US dollars for the work, unfortunately the show closed on July 30th. Still, any purchaser of the work won't receive that exact pickle from the exhibit, but will be given instructions on how to recreate the art in their own space. No word on whether or not the work's sold. But you could probably save a few thousand dollars by hitting your local drive through and recreating Griffin's artistic process. <laughs> that is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Really? I think it's oh. one of the greatest things. Well, you, it, it, why, why would you just take a pickle and flick it on the ceiling? For because, what reason? Because stupid rich people will pay for it. Yeah. <sighs> the exhibition it reminds is... me of a story, Zach. Do you know which story it reminds me of? No. The story the story is when we were in a hotel in Lorraine, Ohio at a lecture ship mm. and uh we accidentally got off on the wrong floor and looked like they had a water leak up on that floor. And you looked up on one of the ceiling tiles and it was kinda hanging down and you went wow, that's about ready to go. And you took your finger and pushed it up in there. And all of a sudden, Niagara Falls came out of the ceiling. I didn't push the ceiling tile. I literally poked the ceiling tile and my finger went through as if the ceiling went tile was nothing. <laughs> the exhibition... You know, if we'd have had this episode way back when, I would have taken that ceiling tile and tried to sell it on eBay for $6,000. Why not? The exhibition is one of four new works by different artists each exhibited for the first time, including Griffin's Pickle. Another artwork that consists of a single houseplant alongside a speaker playing ambient noise in an hour loop, a third work of a sconce lamp, and finally, a sketch of a woman eating a banana. Themes of the ex... <laughs> themes... <laughs> themes of the ex... <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they're they're making it up. Themes of you hear the, these two yahoos, Margaret. They're making it up now. I'm not. Themes of the exhibition, which relate to works, include transience, distance, and time, according to the gallery press release. Perhaps it's up to the viewer to decide which artwork goes with each theme. Arguably, the most complex part of the brine-based work to digest for some is the description of the artwork's medium. While the label at the Louvre for the Mona Lisa says the masterwork is painted with oil on poplar wood and any number of works by Edgar Degas are simply drawn with dry pastel, pickle includes quite a bit more than just a pickle. Medium is regular bun, wheat flour enzymes, water, sugar, canola oil, wheat gluten glaze, iodized salt, yeast, improver, Wheat flour, malted wheat flour, antioxidant 300, enzymes containing wheat, emulsifiers 
472E and 471, preservatives, uh, 262, beef patty, beef cheese, milk, salt, starter cultures, enzyme, rennet, calves, and or vegetarian, water, milk solids, non-fat milk solids, emulsifiers, 331, 332, cheese flavor, salt, acidity regulators, 260, 330, emulsifiers, 322, soy, colors, 160A, ketchup, water, tomato paste, high fructose corn syrup, corn syrup, distilled vinegar, salt, natural flavor, soybean oil, Pickles, gherkins, water, acidity regulator, 260. Salt flavor, firming agents, 509. Preservative, 211. Onion, water, dehydrated white onion, uh, mustard, water, distilled vinegar, mustard seed, salt color, 100. Paprika, natural flavoring, beef, pat, or beef patty seasoning, salt, pepper, and sunflower oil. These, of course, are the ingredients of a typical McDonald's cheeseburger, which surrounded the pickle until its gallery debut. If purchased, the eventual owner of the piece won't be given the exact pickle, but instructions for how to recreate the artwork in their own space instead, which appear to be only two steps, if we're being honest. Reaction to the work has been decidedly mixed, with some arch critics calling it priceless and superb, while others roasted the work as a bit like the all-beef patty that it was once placed on. I got kicked out of McDonald's by the police for doing this when I was a teenager. Now it's art, said one Instagram user. Hey, that's a good point. That is a good point. How did they exhibit the so-called artwork? Did they rip part of the ceiling out? Asked another commenter on Instagram. It's the banana thing all over again. How unoriginal, said a third user, this time on Twitter. Everyone's a critic. Griffin's most recent perishable work of art comes three years after a similar work from Italian artist Maurizio Catalan. That piece, Comedian, is an infamous artwork that consisted of a single banana duct taped to a gallery, gallery wall, which was exhibited at Miami's Art Basel in 2019. That piece sold for $120,000, more than once, in fact. The artist just kept taping new bananas to the wall after they had been bought by at least two French art collectors. Notoriously, the third edition of Catalan's Perishable Piece was taken off the wall and eaten by another new Deschamp, New York performance artist, David Datuna. <laughs> Two French guys bought a duct tape banana to a wall for $120,000. And then another guy came along and ate it. Surprisingly, Detuna wasn't charged for the stunt either by police or Perotin, the gallery that technically owned the work. As uh, a Perotin associate told Today in 2019, the banana itself does not represent the value of, quote, comedian. Its value comes from a certificate of authenticity that contains exact instructions for installation and further authenticates that the work is by Catalan. Still, one of those other surviving and likely very, very black banana-based works was donated and accepted into the collection of prestigious art institution uh, at the Guggenheim in 2020. So like it or not, one day Comedian might, uh, might don the storied walls alongside works by Van Gogh and Cezanne. The Pickle, or about Pickle, the gallery owner told The Guardian to take the serious-seeming intent of the artwork with a grain of salt, so to speak. A humorous response to the work is not invalid, said Ryan Moore, the director of fine arts, Sydney, which represents Griffin. It's okay, because it is funny. Just like other ready-made artists, and yes, there's a category of art that pick one comedian belong to, which has existed since 1913, Griffin's artwork is using humor as a device to question the way we value and meaning 
it's generated or, or in meaning that is generated by art between people, according to Moore. Whether or not the ensuing fruit flies, mold, or wayward raccoons are stored with works like Pickle and Comedian as they inevitably rot with time, it's safe to say this new wave of perishable art has officially gone global. Yummy. Hmm. There's a war in Ukraine. There's a war in Ukraine. And we're talking about pickles thrown onto the ceiling. So, sixth grade, I'm in the cafeteria. I take my tray and throw it all over the side of the wall. Should not get in trouble. Should not go to the principal's office. Should not have to clean it up. Should not be suspended. Because Should I be was paid ex- thousands of dollars. I was expressing my artistic ability. This next article is not about ne- McDonald's. Uh, thank the good Lord above. And oh, well, is, I got to go then. You take care. It is from August 15th, 2022 by Laura uh, Bices uh, from the pop, or publication Popular Science. And the headline partially reads, because I don't want to give away the, the whole thing. Cincinnati Zoo welcomes surprise baby hippo after mother's birth control messes up. Oh, I can't wait to hear this story. (laughs) After more than 220,000 online votes, the Cincinnati Zoo and Botanical Garden announced the name of their newborn baby Nile Hippo, born on August 3rd. That baby's name? Fritz. Fritz. The zoo received a stunning 90,000 name suggestions from every state in the United States and 60 countries in only two days. But Fritz received 56% of the total tally over second choice Ferguson. He joins his big sister and viral sensation Fiona, dad Tucker, and mom Bibi at the Southwestern Ohio Zoo. We would have been happy with either name, but we really think the name Fritz fits this spunky little guy's personality, said Cincinnati Zoo's head hippo keeper, Wendy Rice, in a press release. We also thought that it it was funny that it was suggested because Fritz is here due to BB's birth control being on the Fritz. (laughs) Ah, Taking a turn on the old comedy carousel, the zoo is. Earlier in 2021, BB and Tucker received a breeding recommendation from the Association of Zoos and Aquarium Species Survival Plan Program. The group manages the health and genetic diversity of the hippopotamus's population in North American zoos, according to zoos officials. We weren't planning to welcome a baby this soon, but nature found a way and ignored our calendar, said Cincinnati Zoo's Director of Animal Care, Christina Gorsuch. In April, when BB's pregnancy was announced, most forms of the contraception in hippos or humans uh, are not 100% reliable. The dose that was previously effective for BB did not prevent pregnancy this time. From the beginning of BB's pregnancy, zoo staff did everything they could to ensure a full-term pregnancy. She received everything from hormone supplements to regular ultrasounds to monitor Fritz's growth and development to a 24-hour surveillance beginning in July. His big sister Fiona is considered hand-raised because she was born six weeks premature on January 24, 2017 and needed additional human care to survive. 
Baby hippos typically weigh 100 pounds at birth, but the tiny Fiona clocked in only at 29 pounds. She is the smallest hippo to survive such a low birth weight and weighs a respectable 2,000 pounds as of July. As she grew, Fiona took social media and the real world by storm. She photobombed an engagement shoot, had a local ice cream named in her honor, and even starred in her own reality TV series, appropriately called The Fiona Show. Can't imagine why that didn't last. The zoo... <laughs> Previously revealed Fritz's sex on August 8th. We're happy that the calf is healthy. The sex didn't matter much to the hippo team, but it will be interesting to observe and compare the behavioral differences between a hand-raised girl and a mom-raised boy, said the Cincinnati Zoo's director of animal care, Christina Gorsuch, via press release. Will this calf be comfortable uh, around humans as Fiona is? Will he be less independent? Will he love cameras? Whether he will be a social media star is still up in the air, but Fritz is already showing signs that Fiona's trademark hippo ear wiggle runs in the family. The ear wiggle is functional and adorable. It helps them remove excess water after swimming. Fritz is currently bonding with his mom away from public eye for at least another week. Hippo enthusiasts can still vi visit to see Fiona and her dad Tucker at Hippo Cove's outdoor enclosure. So there you go. I'll tell you what, I may I may head to the zoo on Labor Day. I, I've got to go check this out now. Why would you go to the if zoo? You're a male hippo. Well, go ahead. Why would you go to the zoo on Labor Day? That sounds like the worst day to go to the zoo. Well, that's when I'm off. You're off Ellie whenever you want to be off. What are you talking yeah, about? But, but Ellie's not. Ellie's not. I mean, she can't. She can't be like, ah, I'm going to go see the hippos and just leave work. But here's my question. Is What was Daddy Hippo's name? I don't remember. I already closed the article because I don't I mean, care. What, what what does he do to set the mood that night? Does he like get some candles from the staff and throw in a little Sinatra? Yeah, that's what he does. He wiggles his set. ears and move on. Yeah. Okay, we're moving on from that. This article, this next Our article. fellow listeners, he just rolled his eyes at me. This next article is very short, thank goodness, and it is uh, by Ma or Michael, maybe? Michael Vincent, published August 4th, 2002, from WAFB9, which I imagine is a Louisiana news outlet. Whom a man arrested in possession of too many sharks, meth, an oyster bayou, LDWF says. You're going to let that one pass by? No, I was looking up WAFB nine. Did you even West hear Baton Rouge? Did you even hear what I just said? No, I didn't. All right, go back to that point. Okay, whom a man arrested in possession of too many sharks, meth, an oyster bayou, LWF says. <laughs> exactly. How do you possess a shark? I don't know that we have four sentences to explain it to us. Uh, Huma man was arrested for allegedly catching too many sharks and having meth in his possession, according to the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. Oh, I, okay. Agents say Anuda Lorette, 44, was taken into custody on July 26 in Oyster Bayou, south of Lost Lake in Terrebonne Parish. Official says or officials say he was in possession of meth and drug paraphernalia, as well as an undersized shark. 
Agents allegedly saw Lorette throw another shark overboard because he was over the limit. He was booked into Terrebonne Parish Jail. He faces over $5,500 in fines and two years in jail. Do you know what he had to say about all this? Nope. I don't have what to say. Sharks, sharks, and methamphetamine, and I got to eat. That's probably why your sermons aren't going over too well, Scott, if that's how you talk. <laughs> it could be. Could be. Our next See, story. I, did, I didn't. I was thinking he had live sharks, but he caught these sharks, like fishing. <sighs> yeah. How. How else do you suppose a person can be in possession of live sharks, Scott? I don't know. I thought he had him in a swimming pool when he got busted. Up there <sighs> snorting a little meth, throwing chunks of loaf bread loaf, in the pool. Chunks of loaf bread. Okay. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> now, Scott, I'm going to say something here, and you're going to think that I'm going to need to cut it, but I'm not. Okay. okay. This story comes from CNN, okay. from Zoe uh, Satil, or, yep, uh, and it was published on August 20th, 2022. S- the squirrels splooting all over New York City are just fine, officials say. Splooting. You know, splooting. I remember one time you telling me what splooting meant, and I've long forgotten it. Well, let's read the article and see if you can time- remember. Okay. The term splooting exploded on the internet shortly after the New York City Department of Parks and Recreation posted about the behavior on Twitter. If you see a squirrel lying down on its stomach, don't worry. It's just fine, wrote the department on Twitter alongside an image of a squirrel stretching out its limbs. On hot days, squirrels keep cool by splooting, stretching out on cool surfaces to reduce body heat. It is sometimes referred to as heat dumping. I don't know what's gross, more gross, Scott. The term splooting or the term heat dumping? Heat dumping? I think it's heat dumping. <laughs> There's something about that that's just... Bleh. Charlotte DeVets, a biologist and PhD student studying squirrel behavior at the University of Minnesota. I am so glad that we have people out here doing God's work. Doing the important work that matters. Like studying squirrel yeah. behavior. Studying squirrel splooting. Told CNN that she first noticed squirrels splooting while she was researching squirrels for her master's degree. I bet her parents are so proud with all the debt that she's in. John. <laughs> John, your daughter's been in school for, for a long time. Uh, well, what's she working on? Oh, she's working on getting a doctorate. Oh, that's fantastic. What's she going to get it in? Uh, squirrels. Sp- splooting. Squirrel splooting. At the time, oh, I wasn't really familiar with the term. We just called it flop behavior, she said. I thought it was super cute. For a long time, I tried to find published articles on what this behavior was, but I didn't have a lot of success. That's probably because nobody besides her has ever studied squirrels to get a doctorate. <laughs> Devitz says that splooting seems more common among larger, hairier squirrel species, like gray squirrels and fox squirrels. This dovetails with the scientific explanation for why squirrels sploot. It helps them cope with the heat, according to DeVette. The more scientific name for splooting is heat dumping, DeVette said. 
The squirrel is putting as much of their body surface as possible in contact with the cooler surface, frequently on concrete or pavement that's been in shade. We've had quite record-breaking heat this summer, so this behavior has been very, very prominent, she said. Splooting is a nice way for them to thermoregulate, especially because squirrels don't lose much body heat by sweating, Devitt said. The behavior, she said, is also seen in other mammals. It's just gained a lot of visibility because a lot of people see it and become worried when they see squirrels on their belly. Splooting may be especially common in cities like New York because of the way urban areas trap heat, Devitt said. It's quite possible there's a higher incidence of this type of behavior in squirrels that are in urban areas, just because they're more in need of ways to cool down. With climate change, Devitt said, overall temperatures are rising. We're seeing more of these heat spikes, more drought. I think it's quite possible that this behavior be more and more prominent and more and more necessary for the squirrel. Devitt notes that the cooling benefits of splooting are balanced by the possible risks squirrels face from predators. The prone pose puts them in a somewhat vulnerable position, while they may be endangered by predators, she said. They're squirrels, folks. I've seen 500 squirrels just today. I could open my door, throw a rock, I'd probably hit a squirrel. They're everywhere. Are they, were any of them splooting? Have you ever been worried about a squirrel? Because I haven't. Not one time in no. my life as I was like, oh man, I better stop and save this squirrel. They're rats with big fluffy tails. Just stop. So do you ever sploot? Only after eating Chinese food. All right, Scott, this may be my favorite story of the week. This is from January 22nd, 2021. So it's not nearly new news, but it's Ooh. still pretty great. And uh, it is published by Yucatan Mag or Magazine. Confused, jealous wife stabs husband after seeing her younger self in photos. <laughs> of course she did. <laughs> of course she that makes perfect sense. <laughs> oh, that's great. A woman stabbed her husband several times after thinking she found photos of him with a younger woman. It turns out that she herself was that other woman. The photo of the couple was taken years ago when they were dating, police in Sonora, Mexico said. Authorities from the munici or municipality of Cajame reported that a suspect identified only as Leonora N. was arrested for wounding her husband, Juan N., with a knife after finding several photos on his cell phone. The husband, who managed to take the knife away from her, explained that the photos were of them back when they were mo more youthful and slim. Juan apparently convinced his wife that he had digitized the old snapshots to store in his cell phone. Fortunately for the man, the police arrived at the scene after neighbors heard screaming and sounds of a scuffle. Local media last reported that the woman was being detained by authorities pending charges. That just sounds 100% right. And who's this skinny bag of bones you're with? Ah, look, I see you cheating on me. That's funny. That's good. And I understand today has been a very heavy or animal heavy episode, but it's not going to stop now. Our final news story of the week is from, uh, I think we just read something from her not too long ago. Zoe Satil again from CNN from August 21st, 2022. California police responded after a capuchin monkey accidentally called 911. I like that. that again. 
California police responded after a capuchin monkey accidentally called 911. <laughs> hey, what do you think about us getting the monkey? And we'll just kind of like share it. Be like I, six months with me, six months with you. I would feel so bad for that monkey that he'd be constantly traveling back and forth, back and <laughs> forth, back and forth. And I know for a fact that at some hey. point you're just going to get tired of the monkey and then I'm just going to have to deal with a monkey. Jojo would kill the would monkey. love a monkey. Yeah, until he the monkey ripped his, monkey. until it ripped its face, his face off. Until <laughs> the monkey stole a toy. Yeah. The San Luis Obispo Police Sheriff's Office received a 911 call that disconnected last Saturday, according to a Facebook post. Dispatchers received no response when they tried to call back, so they sent deputies to investigate. Deputies arrived at the Offices of Conservation Ambassadors, also known as Zoo to You, in Paso Paso Robles, California, but none of the staff had placed the call, said the Sheriff's Office in their Facebook post. Then they all realized... It must have been Root, the capuchin monkey, the office wrote. (laughs) Root? Root. Or route, depending on how you pronounce that word. I pronounce it Root. I'm going with Root because it just sounds better. Root, the capuchin monkey. There's your title this week. Little scamp. Staff theorized Root, a capuchin monkey, likely picked up the zoo's cell phone from a golf cart. We're told capuchin monkeys are very inquisitive and will grab anything and everything and just start pushing buttons, wrote the office. And that's what Root did. Just so happened it was the right combinations of numbers to call us. The zoo also commented on the monkey's accidental phone call. Let this serve as an educational lesson that monkeys are not animals that should be kept as pets, Scott, said the zoo on Facebook. Conservation Ambassadors provides a home to injured and abandoned wildlife. They're so inquisitive. You never know what might happen. Capuchin monkeys are small and clever primates, weighing between 3 and 9 pounds, according to the environmental nonprofit the Rainforest Alliance. The South American monkeys are known for being intelligent and easy to train, which makes them popular as pets. I just love that line. Then they all realized it must have been root. The Capuchin Monkey. Capuchin. Dun, dun, dun. I think the next time I get in trouble, I'm going to name it on a route, the Capuchin Monkey. You are a Capuchin Monkey. Be like, did you do that? No, it was root. You know that Capuchin Monkey? <laughs> Poochie, poochie, poo. That's going to do it for our episode. I'm Zach Eiler. I'm sad that we're done. Well, Scott, I only had 47 articles, okay? I, I can't do this all by myself. I've asked you 400 times to find an article yourself, and you you, you never do. You, I mean, I know this you This is my goal for this upcoming week, to find, to find you an article of nearly new news you need to know. No, that's that would be the opposite of the, the conceit of the show. Huh? No, it's news we don't need to know, Scott, you big dummy. Nearly new news we don't need to know. Yes. Hey, but... <laughs> you big dummy. <laughs> we know, deep down in our in our flabby souls, that this show <laughs> did not make your deep life... Deep down 
in our chicken nugget ridden arteries. That this episode of this stupid podcast did not make your life any better. But thanks to Bad Days in History, a gleefully grim chronicle of misfortune, mayhem, and misery for every day of the year by Michael Farquhar, I can tell you that your day could have been worse. Like this day, in August 25th, 1830. Call it the birthday tribute that backfired spectacularly on August 25th, 1830, in Brussels, Belgium. The Theatre Royale de la Monnaie staged a production of Daniel Auber's opera La Moite de Portici, the mute girl of Portici. It was supposed to honor King William I of the United Kingdom of the Netherlands, whose realm then included Belgium. But the birthday boy was in for quite a surprise that night. Rather than inspire loyalty to the king, as was intended, the opera, with its patriotic tale of a lowly fisherman who started an uprising against the Spanish ruler in Naples in 1647, whipped the audience into a nationalistic riot that quickly spilled out onto the streets of Brussels. As it turned out, no one much liked King William, whose rule was considered oppressive, a revolutionary spark had been ignited that night at the theater, and within a year, William I was no longer king of a newly independent Belgium. So you could lose your kingdom because you went to go see an opera. So, you know, your day's not that bad. Nobody lost their kingdom. <laughs> Other than the demotion, how was the opera, your honor? Well, it was still it was still an opera. It was terrible. It was still pretty terrible. But I would still rather listen to whatever that opera was about the mute girl of, of Petici, or whatever it was called, than another second of John Hinckley. And that's what I want to leave you guys with. That somewhere out there in this world right now, John Hinckley is trying his hardest to find a venue to hold a concert. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night!